But yeah, it's been an amazing um, week for me personally. It's been an amazing year, actually, when I think about it. This time last year, it was like crazy painful for me, like absolute intense agony. And so today, what I'm going to be chatting about, because I haven't set up a series for this month, because August, over the two years we've done church, is like the month where it normally goes completely through the floor, and it's me and Marv going, you're wet up, yeah, <laughs> So um, this month, I'm not sure when I'm going to start resuming business as normal with regards to like a series, but we're always going to have something we're going to talk about and discuss and tap into. But today's kind of talk will prepare us for a series I do want to do. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it or how long is the bigger question. Like whether it's going to be like an eight week series, like it's going to be whatever it's going to be, it's going to be a huge series. We're going to look at every, well not every, but a lot of the individual pieces of the temple. I'm going to look around at what they meant for them and what they mean for you and I here and now every single day living the dream. So that's what we're going to do at some stage. What I'm trying to get my head around is I keep finding it difficult where I'm going to put the cutoff point. Like, oh yeah, I don't want to look at that one. Because then I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh no, I really want to look at it now. <laughs> and so like, I don't know where we're going to do that, but that's what I'm looking at next. We've kind of finished the creativity series and I just really want to zonk into that, which is pretty cool because the songs that Liana had us singing this morning were kind of really about like God's spirit and wanting to engage, wanting to meet with him and wanting to connect with him. Last year, I was in a really difficult place. This year, I'm just in a really tired place. But last year, I was in a difficult everything place. It was a messed up place. It was really challenging. And sometimes when you enter periods in your life that are like that, you have to reevaluate. Because if you continue doing the same thing again and again, that's called insanity. And um, not the workout. And I don't want to do that. I don't even want to do the insanity workout, let alone the whole insane vibe in life. So like, yeah, insanity is a lifestyle. Done it. Don't want to rep that anymore. It's not cool. So I had to do a few things that changed that. And one of the things I had to do was I had to position myself in a different place. And to position yourself in a different place, sometimes it means opening yourself up for risk. Sometimes it means finding a safe place to have that risk. And sometimes it means allowing individuals into your life or people you don't even know to help you through that. So for me, like I, I went for counseling. I went for counseling somewhere where I could just like dump everything and go, this is me. This is stuff that I own. This is who I am. This isn't what I want anymore. This isn't who I want to be anymore. Like, how do I unravel these things? How do I make sense of it all? How do I find peace? How do I find rest? How do I find who I was? How do I find who I'm meant to be? How do I how do I engage with these types of things? So like prayer is an awesome thing, but the Bible says we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. As I've said many times before, the the your is plural. That it's as a collective together we do these things. And sometimes you have to create a space where you can go and position yourself differently. And the vulnerability that comes with that, like you're just holding it all together. And sometimes people will say these things to you, like stay strong. Which is why over the last year we've done series like about Sabbath, about wellness, about rest, about the rhythm to life that God wanted us to have, to have this cut off, this detox day of just ceasing, not just from work, but from creativity, to allow ourselves to flourish better during the week. It's why we had a, a series called Ika, where we looked at the Book of Lamentations, creating space to grieve, not just the pains and the hurts and the deaths in our lives, but to grieve the change in our life. 
because every level of change in your life needs to be grieved. And in the Western society, we're terrible at grieving, but we have to position ourselves to grieve. So if you get engaged, you need to position yourself to grieve because the life you had before is different now. If you get married, you have to grieve because you've got something new and wonderful and it's better, but the life you had before is no longer the same. Like, you can't do that thing where Rob, Johnny, Steve, or Holiday phone you up and say, let's go, let's hit those drinks, let's, let's play Xbox, and you just leave work and you go straight there, and you have a blast, and then you rock up at home, and every guy who gets married does this. They rock up at home like, hey, honey, and there's this like, kill Bill face. It's like, where have you been? I was this close to calling the police. You were like dead to me, and you're like, oh, I've just been at been to Steve's house having some beers what like you didn't text you didn't call you didn't, and you're like oh yeah my life has changed and you have to grieve that you can no longer roll the way you used to roll and then you become a dad and it's awesome it is amazing but get ready to grieve because that life is dead and gone dead and gone oh you've been traveling down that road a long time but it ain't there anymore and the scenery is different and everything's different and you're like oh my gosh she is amazing he is amazing this is fantastic but life is dead and gone like oh my gosh it is not the same world anymore but then they do things like smile at you and the world is the greatest place you've ever known but there's a shift and you have to grieve it and then you can have roles at work and your role can change like that. It could be set in stone for years and years and years. All of a sudden you have to do things differently and you wonder why all of a sudden you feel emotional in an area you never felt emotional before. And all of a sudden you realize you're stressed and you didn't know why you were stressed before. And you can't pinpoint a single thing. No one's died. You haven't been told you've got cancer. You haven't had any of these things, but you are just walking around like a zombie. And it's because stuff has happened and you haven't grieved, and you haven't created space to grieve. And so you've got all this built up stuff, but if someone says to you, how are you? All you can say is okay, not just because you're fronting, but because you can't put your finger on it, because you haven't created space to grieve. So we did those kind of series, looking at that kind of stuff, because we want to create wellness. But ultimately, when it comes down to wellness, and looking around at society, and the different learners that I work with, and different types of vulnerable young people, and stuff like that, I've worked with for years and years and years, one of the key things I see again and again is I see a lot of substance abuse in this country. And so there's tons of substance abuse, but people get smashed all the time. And what it is, is there's this pain level, and they don't know how to grieve. There's this pain level, and they don't know where healing comes from. There's this situation in their life, and they don't know where to shift. They don't know how to position themselves for anything else. And so there's nothing else for them to do except hit a bottle or have a zoo. There's nothing else. So that is how they deal with things. But then one of the writers in the scriptures puts it this, this way. This, they put it this way. There's German in the scriptures. They put it this way. They say, don't get drunk with wine, but we deal with the Holy Spirit. And I've heard so many Christians talk to me about that. And so many Christians hit me with it. Like, like you know, one of those ones where they kind of like, oh man, they put the hand up here like, whoa, and they slap you in the face with it. You know those ones? They, they just, whoa, 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 bang. Oh man, leave me alone. It's, 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 it's how we tend to use that scripture. But actually, when I look at a lot of individuals, it's the same issue that we're talking about with wellness. Because what happens is we have these underlying tensions, pains, hurt, stress levels, grief, grievances that we need to let go of. And we don't know how to deal with that. We don't know how to let that out. And so what we do is we hit a bottle or we hit some other addiction. We hit something else for a, a, a release or sometimes for guys especially in our culture, it's computer games because there's an instant reward. 
you complete the level, you level up. There's a sense of achieving something when you feel in life you can't achieve anything. So we have computer game addictions, we have all these different types of things. We have social media, we don't feel like we have a approval, so we somehow need this existential approval from someone clicking like. How many likes have I got today? Like how many, how many retweets, how many reposts, how many all these kind of things. And we look, it's the same underlying tension all along. But it all ties into that scripture where it says that, where, it, where it's written, don't get drunk. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what we do is we just deal with this on the top, but we never deal with what's there. And what happens when we engage with, with Holy Spirit is for the first time, there's something inside that comes and can bring release and can relieve that tension. And so we find ourselves looking at today's passage and I'm exhausted. I'm totally exhausted. But it's because there's different changes and there's different shifts. Even when you're smashing it, even when you're smashing it out of the park, it doesn't mean you're safe from this. It's still an issue for you. So, for example, this week was a great week for me because the day before my birthday, I smashed it out of the park. My Kickstarter for the Kamashima drama hit it, hit the Kickstarter, started to go past the Kickstarter. And you know what happened when it happened? I was excited, filled with this overwhelming excitement and joy for about three minutes and then it was gone and there was exhaustion now I've got going to have a, like a thousand books I need to sell now I need to plan a book tour now I need to work on the event that I've invited people to now I need to work on firming up that tour in Texas now I need to do all this and then it's like got all this stuff to do so three minutes hitting that target which was a big deal because I didn't think I was going to hit the target I thought I was going to flop so I should have been like woo pop out the champagne three minutes I was done and I was back in the exact same place I was before I hit the target because that's the way things work. But if we don't create that safe place, and sometimes we need to do that together, collectively, sometimes we need to do that with individuals, but ultimately, if we want to deal with the systemic problem, if we want to deal with the root of it all, we've got to engage with the Spirit of God, which just brings life and new life, which overflows, which Jesus talks about. Now, we're going to be looking at a passage in 2 Samuel today, chapter 6, because it's going to lead in to whenever... I decide to kickstart the, the series we're going to look at of all the different items in the temple. So, Samuel chapter 6. David again gathered, 2 Samuel chapter 6. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him. Um, to Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim and they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill and Uzzah and Ahio the sons of Abinadab were driving the new cart and the ark with the ark of God and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with songs, with lyres, with harps, with tambourines, with cassinets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of the Lord and took hold of it, for the oxen had stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died beside the ark of God. And David was angry, because the Lord had burst forth against Uzzah, 
and the place was called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, the Git, <laughs> as I like to call him. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told, King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal, and David danced before the Lord with all that he had. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. So we read that passage, and there's two things in there, really. There's tragedy. And there's great blessing. And I think that in such a short space sums up life. That in the midst of life there can be immense tragedy. Even out of nowhere in a good place. In something that makes sense. It made sense that the oxen had stumbled. And that it would have fallen. And it could have been damaged. It could have been broken. This guy reached out and did what made sense to him. And did what he felt was the right thing to do. Even though... Clearly, in God's opinion, that wasn't the right thing for him to do. And David ends up in this situation of grief. And he loses something. He loses a friend. He loses someone he really cares about. And he's angry at God for it. And you know what? There are times in life when you can pursue the call that God has for you. And you can find yourself in a place where you're asking the question, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't how things are supposed to be. This isn't what I bargained for. This isn't something I want to pursue anymore. And you can sidetrack it and leave it there. And in this story, in this passage, in this narrative, we have David in that sort of a place. And he goes, you know what, dude? You have it at your house. I'm not taking it to the house of David. I'm not taking it to my place. Look what it's done. Look look where it's got me. This isn't what I want. And it's left there. But then what God does is he blesses the house that it's at. So much so that the news gets to David saying, dude, you've got to see what's happening here. Ever since this had been left there, his life, his fortunes have completely changed. This guy is blessed. And David hears that and then he decides to pursue again, bringing it to the house of David not just so that David is blessed, but that all Israel is blessed, that the wider community is blessed. And sometimes in the position where we find ourselves, where something happens, there is always something that comes left of field that you never see coming, that hits you and detracts from you achieving what it is you were set out to achieve. There is always something that will come right at a key moment Just when you're about to achieve it, just when you're about to move forward, just when you build up momentum, something's going to come and it's going to hit you and you're going to be left with the same choice as David. Do I just go, you know what, 
let's just put this on the back burner for now. I am done. And then you can see what you miss out on. You can see what you miss out on in the fruit of someone else, in something around us. The reason I wanted to look at this passage today was because I can picture the moments in my life where I have looked at something, where I've known this is where God wants me to be, and I'm at the point where I'm like, you didn't tell me it was going to be like this. You didn't tell me this is what I would have to suffer. You didn't tell me this is what I'd have to go through. You didn't tell me that I would be in this scenario. And you know what, God? You can stuff your plans. You can take it, twist it up, shine it up real nice, and you can do one because I'm, I'm done. This is, this is too painful. This is too hard for me. And I don't want to continue anymore. And sometimes just short of seeing God fulfill all that he has for us, we can miss out on so much. And then we start to hear what it is that he's doing. And the reason I want to bring this before us is because I felt today that God was saying that maybe some of us this morning are in a place in our lives where we've been going on a journey for some time right now and we're at the point where we're like, you know what? Didn't think it was going to look like this. Didn't think it was going to be this hard. Didn't think it was going to hurt this much. This dream that I felt you put there, I've lost sight of that. I don't think that's going to happen anymore because I've got a lot of disappointment, a lot of baggage, a lot of, a lot of hurt that just says, don't, don't keep pursuing that. That relationship that I invested so much in, mm feels like I'm just dragging it along. That, that job that when I first got it, that I felt it was of you, I'm at a point where it's, it's a bit hard. That, that task, that position, that goal, mm, that call that when you gave it to me, I was so excited about it. But now it's the very thing that just eats me up inside. I'm, I'm done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a back seat. I want to share this story for us because... Sometimes, when you're in that place, it's hard to see that anything is going to be different. <coughs> when we first started City Hill, we looked at the Exodus narrative, and we looked at a story where the people were suffering and crying out to God, and they were in slavery. And we always look at that story, and we always hone in on the massive Exodus of the people leaving. What we always tend to ignore is that they cried out to God in their suffering, and in the next chapter, we see that it's, well, at the end of that chapter, it says that God heard their cry, but they keep dying and they keep going on in slavery. And God hasn't shouted out of heaven. It's all going to be different now. Don't worry about that. And God goes to speak to Moses somewhere else. And none of them even know that God's spoken to Moses. And even when Moses turns up and shows up to do it, he ends up saying, I wish I never came. This isn't going how I planned. Imagine what happened if Moses had decided, well, I'm going to put on the back burner the call of God for here right now because this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for letting your people go. I didn't sign up for things to get worse. I didn't sign up for more bricks. I didn't sign up for people to die and people to suffer like this. What would have happened if he did that there and then? What would happen if at that point in the story he said, you know what, I'm done, thank you very much, and he walked away? What would have happened? If you ask Moses at that time when he's saying, I'm done with this, but we don't. We want to interview Moses the other side of the Red Sea. Hey Moses, was it worth it? Oh, oh, check out this kid that would have been born in slavery. Oh, check out this woman who was violated. Check out this old dude. Look at the scars on his back. That is not going to happen again. And he could take you around family by family with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people whose story. But it came down to a moment where Moses was evaluating. This is not what I signed up for. This 
isn't who I am. This isn't what I planned for. This isn't what I bargained for. But he pushes on and he sees the glory of God prevail for him. And David here has a real sense of grievance with God. And I get it because I would have been vexed too. And he leaves it there. But he hears about what happens. And then he takes it that it will be at the house of David. That it will be in Jerusalem. That the people will be blessed. I want to suggest that maybe some of us have heard the call of God in our lives and we've put it on the back burner because it costs too much. And I felt like today God was just saying, you know what, it's time to come back and, and pick up where you left off. It's time to go back to it. That unlike Moses, you didn't push on straight through, but there's still stuff that I want to do and I want to bring my blessing to your house. There's a second layer to this story as well. Is when we started City Hill, there was two things we wanted to be. We wanted to be a light that shines among our friends, personally in our context, and collectively together. And so as we look at this passage today, my thought is this. I look at um, Metro, and I can think from when we started, there were so many times that this place was ultimately really blessed by our presence. I can also think of the hardship they went through when out the back kind of burned down. I can think of the times where they've had difficult times, but I think of times when it's been good. And I look to this passage, and like for me, my heart just cries out, Lord God, may we be a blessing in this place. May we be like the Ark of the Covenant. May from this day forward, as we go in, eventually start that series and push on, may this place know the best business it's ever known. That's my heart, that this place would be unbelievably blessed because we're here. That God would do something exponential from all the way here, straight through the end of the year into the beginning of the next one. Because that's what happens in this story. Because the Ark of the Covenant is in that house. That house is blessed. So for us, one of the things I'm going to put out in the email out is I'm going to put out, when we do it once a month, I'm going to put in there that we're going to be praying for this place. And we're going to legitimately pray for this. Not, not this like, oh, I'm going to pray for it and not pray for it. Or just that thing where you look at and go, Lord, yeah, do whatever it says in there. Bang. Like, we're going to pray for it that's because right. we're going to believe that God is going to bless this place. And we're not only going to believe that God's going to bless this place. We're going to believe that as he does that here, it's going to go out from this place. That he is going to bless us in the areas of our lives where we have lost hope, where we are hurting, where we have grievances. But this period, we're going to be looking into connecting with um, what it is that the temple was built for. What all, everything that was in the temple was designed to achieve. What they were symbolic for. And we're going to reconnect with all that imagery. And we're going to see what God wants to do in all of our lives. I'm going to pray for us, and then that's going to be kind of it for today. Father God, I just pray that those of us here that need to create space in our lives to grieve, change, that need to let go of so much hurt and so much anguish. Father God, I pray for those that have given up on dreams that you had placed within their hearts. They weren't just any old dreams. They were things that you placed there. Father God, I pray that you would just fan them to flame again. I pray that you would just bring them back to a place of like, I need to return and pick that up. I've left something behind and it's been missing in my life and I need that. We just pray that we would be in a place where we would be synced together in your blessing and in your plans and in your goodness and that we would flow in the advantages, the advantageous blessing that comes from being in the right place with your spirit, Father God, that we would position ourselves in the correct place, that we wouldn't leave behind something in some other place because of the inconvenience to ourselves or the pain or the hurt it cost us, but that we would carry on carrying what it is that you have for us to do and the plans that you have for us, that we would be positioned to be overflowing vessels of your blessing, of your goodness, Father God. May we not be people who only see ourselves, but we see a wider community 
a global village in need of your love and your restoration. May we see those around us in the week and not be desensitized to their needs passing by, but may we be people that stop and love our neighbor as ourselves. May we hear all that you have for us to do and may you speak through us, may you guide us and may we be beacons in a dark community. May your light shine through us, Lord God. May we shine like stars amongst a grumbling generation. May we see goodness and hope and opportunity instead of closed doors. May we see you in all that lies before us and may we pursue you and your goals in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.